0: All right, Salt Company, you guys can take a seat. Yeah, guys. Hey, way to show up. Everyone's got flu, but not you. Shout outs. Look at all you healthy people. Very exciting. You're not sick. Amazing. Hey, real quick, guys, before we get into it, can we just give it a round of applause for Temi for last week? Didn't he do a great job? Such a cool outfit. Shout outs. Second shout out of the day. I believe it's Kaylee's birthday today. Hey. And she is a Concordia Bear. Bear down, baby. Come on. Shout outs. Go Bears. Go Bears. We believe. Okay. Okay. A lot of shout outs to begin our time together. It's like, I'll teach the Bible. Trust me. Okay. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Tony. I'm on staff here with the Salt Company. And I know it's just also, you guys see like the presents? No trees. They ain't put no no trees up. Just presents. Anyways, fine. Uh, Let's get started. If you got a Bible, we'd love for you to open it up to Philippians. Philippians is where we'll be tonight. Uh, We have been journeying through the book of Philippians for the last couple weeks, and tonight we're going to be finishing out our series in the book of Philippians, and Philippians chapter 4. So, Philippians is a book of the Bible about 80% of the way through the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give one to you. If you got a phone, it's easy to look up. We would love for that to happen. Uh, If you're new here to Salcoming tonight, I say this every single week, thank you so much for being here. We recognize that it can be a scary thing to step into an environment like this, so just want to say thanks for being here. We love that you're here. Hey, let me pray as we enter into our time together. Yeah, Jesus, in many ways I've been praying that you would work in a mighty way through this text, through this sermon. Um, What a prophetic text for our age. As we tackle this idea of anxiety and what it looks like to have soul-level peace, I'm just reminded, Jesus, that knowing you is the best thing about life. And it's only in knowing you that we can receive a soul-level peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, circumstances, transcends any situation that we're in. For the glory of God and the good of our souls, that you love to deliver us into a peaceful presence that can only be found in you. Lord, I confess anxiety about preaching a sermon on anxiety how ironic I know but Lord I trust that you will move in a mighty way and it's in your powerful name that we pray amen amen okay have you guys ever had a moment where you just want to dip you know what I mean get out of Dodge vroom vroom drive anywhere except here you know when you go outside and the air hurts your face you're like, frick this. That's what I feel every morning. I'm like, what the heck is this? It hurts. I'm trying to get my steps in, you know, to stay active, and I'm like, I can't. It hurts. Okay, so I had a moment like this at the end of my freshman year. Show of you guys are freshmen here, and you're like still kind of optimistic, but by the end of the year, you're like, wow, all I have is just shin kicks all up on my shins. Freshman year sucks, okay? Gen Eds, boo, hated them. Okay, so I was at the end of my freshman year. I had a, a little bit of a midlife crisis, a little bit of a bummer, and uh, I did what any logical person would do in order to solve all my problems I flew to Hawaii. Yeah. Great. Escapism 101. Don't recommend it. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying that's what I did. Okay. I called up my buddy. His name was Isaiah Rocket. He went by Rocket. He was a flight attendant for Sun Country, great airline, way better than Spirit. I hate that crap. But I can only afford to fly Spirit. You guys know what I'm saying? Like you hate it, but you're like, ah, fine, I'll do it. Okay. So he was a Sun Country flight attendant, and uh, he did this thing where he flew to Maui and was like, wow, it's really nice here. And then he just like never came back. Which I was like, that's an interesting way to put in your two weeks, you know. I'm like, I'm never coming back. So, anyways, um, went to Maui, called him up. I was like, What are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm in Maui. I'm like, You should hang out. It's like, Okay. So I came, and um, guys, I'm not gonna lie, it was amazing. Like Maui is so bougie. Like growing up, we had like no money, so we'd like go vacation in, like South Dakota, which is like not better than here. So I don't know why we would do that. We should just stay, staycation. That's Um uh, Went to Maui. It was incredibly bougie. I remember this moment where he picked me up from the airport on his little moped, room room and we are going like 20 miles per hour. It's very cute. And uh, we went down the coastline of the ocean. We got some Hawaiian pizza. Shout out to my pineapples on pizza crew. You guys exist? It's the better way to eat it, okay? Boo, what the heck? Come on. Um, Great pizza. So we're on the beach together, hanging out with my friend Rocket. We're eating some Hawaiian pizza, and I can hear the waves crash upon the coastline. Wow, so peaceful, right? And... I remember this moment where literally as the breeze from the ocean, oh, phew, over my face. I'm having this moment and I'm like, wow, my setting is so peaceful and yet my soul is still anxious. Which I know, I know, was kind of, a, kind of a negative moment to have. Like I was like, what's happening? And I realized that the angst I felt in my soul in Minneapolis and Minnesota carried with me all the way to Maui. Like I was still the same person from Minneapolis to Maui. And in many senses, I got this feeling where I was like, wow, my soul is full of restlessness, anxiety, and angst, even though my external setting is so peaceful. Okay, here's why I told you that story. Because my guess is almost everyone in this room, unless you're G's, everyone in this room is struggling with some level of restlessness in your soul. You're struggling with a level of angst. You're like, "I just life's like not that great, you know, and you're struggling with anxiety about your future, and you might be thinking to yourself, maybe the answer is actually that I changed my setting. Maybe the problem is that I am feel restless in my soul, but the problem is actually my school. Like, if I were to just transfer schools, then maybe my soul would actually be at peace. Maybe if I got that, like, godly, hot person that I'm just imagining, then my soul would be at peace. And he goes, like, yes, please, Jesus. So we're going to pray later. You're like, that's the one thing. Okay, don't worry about it. Maybe for you, it's like, oh, like, I like playing my sport, but I wish I played a little bit more. That's my thing. But my guess is all of us in this room are thinking about different settings that we would rather be in, assuming that that's what would make our soul at peace. And so, that's a conversation we're going to be having tonight, is how do we actually have a soul-level peace in the midst of any situation, any circumstance, any setting that we find ourselves in, whether we're on a beach in Maui or the tundra of Minneapolis, you know, like, how do we, how do we actually have soul-level peace? In fact, as we look at Philippians chapter 4, that's my transition, open up your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at a man who was in prison, the worst setting possible, absolutely alone, bummed out of his mind, and yet had unbelievable soul-level peace. So that's the conversation we're having tonight. How do we have soul level peace? Open up with me to Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7 is where we'll be camping out tonight. Here's what the word of God says. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. Here's how I want to begin our time together. If you could describe our generation, the culture that you live in, the society that you live in, the campuses that you're on with just one word that would describe the human experience and the human condition, what word would you use? My guess is that word would actually be anxious. My guess is if you look at your own life and you think back to all the experiences of your life and you think back to every moment of your life, as you think through the daily rhythms of your life, you would conclude that the vast majority of us in this room live with either a low-grade or high-grade anxiety that controls almost everything about what we do. That fear of the future may be the singular fear that all of us live with, wondering if our lives will ever amount to what we want it to amount to, if we'll get that job that we want or we'll be able to live the life that we wanted to live. My guess is if you could describe your life in one word, it would be the word anxious. And so in many senses, Philippians chapter 4 tonight, guys, is a prophetic word for our time. I've never heard of a society or a culture that has struggled with anxiety the way that our society struggles with. And my hope is tonight that the Lord, the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, would supernaturally heal some of us in this room, but would set all of us on a trajectory of knowing him more to the peace of God. Okay, second thing I wanted to say is the battle against anxiety is something that I struggle with every day. And the reason why I want to say that is because I'm not here to like give you five tips on how to not live an anxious life. I'm actually here to point you to the great physician because day by day, Moment by moment, Jesus is transforming me, and so my invitation to you is this is not the end of the conversation on your mental health struggle with anxiety. This is hopefully the beginning, and by the grace of God, the next couple years, or maybe even in this moment, maybe tonight, you might be healed, which would be great. Maybe this is the vision that God wants to give you, a life of peace, not a life of fear and anxiety. Okay, so let's jump into the text. We're going to start in verse 5, and here's what it says. Let your reasonableness, that is such a hard word to say, be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand, semicolon. I said it because we're going to come back to it, okay? Semicolon. Great, great thing. Here's the key to understanding soul level peace. Okay, five words. If you leave this place with five words, five things to know, one, oh, one sentence. Wow, if you remember on Tuesday what tonight was about, here's the five words I want you to remember. The Lord, the Lord is at hand. Here's what I want you to see that Paul's going to be showing us. If we want to have a soul level peace, what we need is proximity to the Lord. What we need is nearness to God. What we need is the presence of God. We don't need more tips. Like, I don't know about you guys, but there's so many self-help books. Like, do you guys know what I mean? No? Okay. Do you guys not read self-help books? This is awkward for me. All right. All right. Come on. Podcasts, self-help books. Okay. Well, my point is not made, but they exist, okay? There's plenty of resources out there on how to fix yourself. But here's what I'm saying. If you want soul-level, God-realized peace, you need to enter into the presence of God. Okay, here's a quote from Tim Keller that I thought was helpful. I have, like, three quotes from Tim K. tonight, so strap in. He's great. Here's what Tim Keller says. The peace of God is not the absence of fear. It, in fact, is his presence. Okay, here's one of the most saddest realities of almost everyone in our entire society is that the vast majority of people will spend the rest of their lives running from their fears assuming that it'll bring them peace so here's what the world says the world says you have fear you have anxiety fix it or run from it right solution or maui like escape it you know what i mean like get the heck out of there don't even think about it and here's the primary way the world gives you as a way to find peace it says hey if you have fears that are associated with financial insecurity like you grew up kind of poor you grew up with a little bit of a rough background you've got fears about that Here's how you fix it. You just spend the rest of your life as a workaholic making that money with hopes that you'll eventually be at peace. If you struggle with loneliness, and day by day you're kind of wondering, does anyone in my life actually care about me? The world says the solution to that fear is actually to give yourself away to anyone, to have multiple different relationships with multiple different people. It's called polygamy. It's kind of of new and hip in the day, you know? I know that sounds not funny, but I like it. Anyways, moving on. Moving on, moving on. I got this, I got this. Um, (laughs) Okay. That was was a really bad time to make a joke like that, and I just want to move on, and hopefully Korn can edit this out of the podcast. Probably not. Anyways, move on. Let me just land the plane. Here's what I'm saying. Even if you're able to solve all the temporal fears you have in this life, financial insecurity, loneliness, insignificance, the problem is that even at the end of your life, you'll still fear one thing, and that's death. And the problem with the world's equation on how to actually solve your fears is broke. The reason why it's broken is because you're always going to have fears in this life. Even if you get the money, you're going to fear to lose it. You get the man, you're going to fear to lose it. You get the brand, you're going to fear to get canceled. Whatever your fears are will just produce more fears. And at the end of the day... If you follow the world's equation on how to receive peace, you will live a life full of anxiety and never actually experience soul-level peace. So the invitation that God has for us tonight is actually something bigger than that and better than that. The peace of God cannot be found in running from your fears, but can only be found by running into his presence. There's something that Tim Keller wrote that I thought was helpful. I keep quoting Tim Keller. I'm sorry, but it's helpful. Here's what he says. It is remarkable that in all of his writings, Paul's prayers for his friends contain no appeals for changes in their circumstances. Which, by the way, when I first read that, I was like, Paul's like a bad friend. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're really struggling. You're like, dude, Paul, pray for me. He's like, no. Like, that's not, he didn't, like, he actually probably did pray for them. He just didn't write it in the Bible, you know? But it's actually kind of shocking, right? Because if you think about Paul's friends, they had a ton of circumstantial pain. They were, like, being flogged and martyred for believing in Jesus, which is, like, bad news. And yet Paul doesn't pray that their circumstances would get better. The question is why? The reason is because Paul knew that what they needed was more than a setting change. They needed a soul change. They needed the peace of God to erupt in their souls through the presence of God. They needed something more real and more tangible than their suffering. If you're a note taker, here's what I would recommend writing down. That the peace of God can only be found in the presence of God. Okay, so I want you guys to notice something in verse 5 that I thought was very theological. I was like, ooh, this is an insight. Look at verse 5, okay? Here's that big theological thing. It's the semicolon. We came back. We came back. Very exciting. Here's what a semicolon is. Some of you guys might not know this. How to Google this. A semicolon exists to connect two independent true statements together. And I found an example that made me laugh while I was looking this up. And it was, I ordered a cheeseburger for lunch, semicolon, Life's too short for counting calories. Somebody in the room was like, that's the first thing I've resonated with all night. You're like, that's, that's great. I actually feel that. Thank you, Grammarly. Okay. <laughs> yes, I read that. I was like, dang, that's, that was a really good example. Okay. Here's what Paul is saying by using the grammatical structure between verses 4 and 5. The Lord is at hand. We can put it back up. The Lord is at hand, semicolon. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's Paul's logic. Verse 5, who is the Lord? Is the Lord some little genie that you rub before a football game? Be like, hey, Jesus, help me get a touchdown. Like, is that who he is to you? Like, like, is the Lord some kind of, like, demigod that you can kind of choose between all your other options? It's like, either I drive well or Jesus take the, like, what's going on? Who is Jesus, right? If you believe in the God of the Bible, here's who the Lord is. He's the singular being who created the entire universe with his hands and is holding everything together with a thought in his mind. And he is redeemed and is beginning to redeem the entire world for a new Jerusalem to come. That's who the Lord is. If you believe in the God of the Bible, verse 5, and that Bible, the God of the Bible isn't just away from you but is near to you and invites you into his presence, then you've got a really good friend. Does that make sense? If he's a genie, that sucks. But if he's the God of the universe, here's Paul's logic: semicolon. It came back. Love it. Semicolon, then you have the ability by the power of God through his spirit to be anxious about nothing. How cool is that? That's actually really cool. Come on, that the semicolon it actually mattered. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what Paul is saying. The reason why you're invited in a life. Free from anxiety and a life of peace is because the Lord of the universe is with you. He is near to you and he resides in you by the spirit of God. And so you have far more power to fight the battle of anxiety than you might think you have. And the reason why I tell you guys this is because I've been in seasons of my life where I'm struggling with so much anxiety. Where all I can think is negative future and I think to myself there's nothing I can do to fight that. But here's what God wants to whisper to you through this text. You are not alone. He is with you in the battle. And if he is with you and he is near to you and he's inviting you into your presence and into his presence, there is actually a future for all of us in this room, if you're a believer in Christ by the power of God, where one day the worries of this world do not corrupt your mind, where you get to live in a life full of peace by the power of God. Okay, so you might be thinking at this point, Paul, the nearness of God, the presence of God is the key foundation. Great. The question is how, right? Like some of you guys are like pretty rational people. You're like, that sounds great, Tony, but how do we do it? Great question. Look with me to verse 6. He says, pray. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, so here's the master key for how to understand and experience the presence of God. The answer is pray. And I love what Paul says here. He doesn't just say prayer, he says prayer and supplication. I had to Google this one too. Supplication is to beg, it's to ask earnestly, it's to lay it all on the line. So, as an illustration, I was thinking about this. Have you guys ever ugly cried? You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of you guys are like, three nights a week. (laughs) It's a little dark. Ugly cry, you know, when like snots coming out of your face and it's just like all over the place, you've like given up on whether or not people think you look attractive in that moment. You're like, whatever, I'm fine. And then you cry so much that like there's like that air bubble that, you know what I mean, in your mouth. Yeah, it's tragic where you let everything go. How awesome is it though after? You know what I'm saying? Like you ugly cry, you're like, oh, and then afterwards you're like, wow, I feel good because you let all the gunk out, you know what I'm saying? Get this, watch this. What if we Ugly prayed, okay? I know, new concept. Pretty prayer looks like this. Pretty prayer is like, Jesus, I'm really struggling. But here's what I know to be true, that you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. You are so good to me, and I'll never forget that, so please help me. That's pretty prayer. It's like, let me just give you what I think you want to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me just pretend to Jesus like I'm not, like, dying and crumbling within my soul, so I have to, like, pretend to him like I'm, like, looking pretty. But what if you just ugly prayer to God? What if instead of trying to pretend to look spiritual to God, which by the way, what a hilarious concept, you would just ugly prayer. You just prayed what you had. What if you were just honest? Like, as my boss, I don't know if you want me to say this, but my boss and my pastor, Drew Stevenson, he told me once that he swears at God when he prays sometimes. And I was like, is that legal? Like I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what is that? Are you allowed to do that? It was kind of confusing for me. I was like, I don't even know theologically if that's okay. But, anyways. But what he was saying is he just prayed what he had. When his son died three years ago from a congenital heart defect, he just prayed what he had. He just talked to God. swore swear to him occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally. And I can't help but wonder if for some of you in this room if you've never actually prayed to God that way. The way you view prayer is like transactional. It's like I pray for things, God gives me them 1% of the time. If you do your math, likely, I pray for things right before I go to sleep because I'm like, oh, I want to release some worry. I pray for things right after I eat my food or before my food or right before I spend time with God. I wonder if your prayer life is just transactional. It's just like, hey, Jesus, could you do this for me? Let me rub the genie. And you might be wondering in your life, why, why do I live with such anxiety and angst? Could it be that we worry about everything because we pray about almost nothing? Could it be that the day's struggles feel so overwhelming to you because you have not yet consulted the Lord who is near? Here's what I'm inviting you into, a life of actual prayer. Okay, and here's what happens when we pray. We encounter Jesus, and he blows your stinking mind, okay? Last quote from Tim Keller, I'm sorry. It's too much. I can cap myself at two. Here's what Tim Keller says. That prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know that the awe, we must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking for his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. Here's what happens when you pray to Jesus. Ugly prayers. Here's what happens. You encounter his character. There's some of you in this room who have been coming to stuff like this a lot. Like, you've been to moments like this where someone preaches at you for like half an hour and you're like, ah, I don't really like that. You come to worship. You do all these different things. And you probably actually accumulated a fair amount of knowledge of Jesus. You kind of know that he was like a Middle Eastern carpenter. He wasn't that pretty according to the scriptures. He kind of walked the earth, did ministry for about three years, died, and rose again. And that's the reason why you get to go to heaven. You might know some facts about Jesus. But if you've never actually prayed, if you've never actually spent the time to talk to him, do you actually know him? Here's my invitation for all of us in this room. What if the life Jesus wants to give you is more than just a get out of hell free card, but is actually a life of intimacy and communication with him? What if you can actually know God? Like, think about how crazy of a concept that is. The God, the verse 5 type of God, the Lord is near, the one who created everything on heaven and earth. He wants to know you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear about your crap. He wants to hear about your fears. He wants to hear about your sin. He wants to hear about your pain. And he wants to tell you about his faithfulness. He wants to show you his character. He wants to show you how gracious he is. Not just theologically, but literally. Like, theology in the flesh. Like, he wants to show you how kind he is. And maybe for some of you, you have had dead man's religion because you show up to religious things, but you have never actually talked to God. And maybe tonight is the night that changes, that you could actually talk to God. Okay. If you're a note taker, prayer is the gateway into the presence of God. Okay, I, I want to pull over here in verse 6 and say, Paul says something kind of weird here. Okay, so look back with me at verse 6. I know we pulled it up on the screen like seven times, but so look back with me. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, prayer I get, right? Like, that's a classic thing. Like, you should pray. Supplication, pretty cool. Pray ugly prayers. I like it. But then he says, thanksgiving. Which, by the way, what's up with that? Like, have you guys ever been in a moment of, like, pretty deep anxiety, and you're like, wow, I'm, like, really thankful that, like, my protein has, like, good viscosity. Like, you've never thought that. You've never been like, wow, like, I really like how, like, my Apple Watch still turns on every time I look at it. Like, you don't, you're never thankful, right? So what the heck is Paul doing? Why is he talking about thankfulness when we're out here afraid, you know? Here's the genius of the Bible. This is crazy. I know, this was a good one. I was like, wow, spirit, thank you. What if the antidote to your anxiety is actually gratitude? Let me explain. What if... If anxiety, the working definition of anxiety, is fear of the future, assuming that the bad will happen, if that's the working definition of anxiety, what if the antidote to that isn't to avoid that or to fix that, but actually to remember the faithfulness of God? Does that make sense? I'll show you. I you can take this home for free. I've like done some math on this. It's pretty exciting. Okay, it goes like this. Here's the logic flow that Paul is going to use here. Here's why he adds gratitude to this. If God has been faithful to you in your past, right? If you know Jesus, God has been hyper-faithful to you. Like, you were, you were, you were going to get wrecked. And then Jesus was like, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. If God has been faithful to you and he never changes, right? He never changes. Good? Okay. Then will he not also be faithful to you in your future? Does that make sense? If he has saved you from your sin. If he has come through for you in every moment of your life, if he has never let you down and he can never change, then will he not also come through for you tomorrow? That's the vision Paul's given us. It's honestly kind of crazy. I started doing it this week because I started getting anxious about preaching a sermon on anxiety. It was kind of awkward. I was like, wow, am I a hypocrite? Um, yes. Uh, but I was having that moment, and I was getting anxious. And then I was just like, oh, you know what I should do? I should, like, apply this text. I mean, it was honestly, guys, kind of a moment. And I started to think back to all the ways that Jesus has been so faithful to me. He even brought me back to where I was born. Like I was born in South Korea, I'm not from here. And I was born an hour away from the border between South and North Korea. If you know any geography, if I was born just, you know, from God's eyes, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like super small on a map. If I was born just like literally less than one centimeter away on like a normal map, I for sure would not know Jesus. I may be in a prison camp right now, and I would probably be starved. So even before Jesus met me, he providentially went. And then I was thinking back to being saved at 17 years old, and then how he healed me of my porn addiction, and how he put me through college even when my parents had no money to give. Like, that is literally such a miracle. I thought back to that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's not even a spiritual thing, but, like, it felt so spiritual. And I started to weep because I was like, Jesus has been so faithful to me. And if he's been faithful to me in the past, Saul Company, and he never changes, will he not also be faithful to me tomorrow? Will he not also be faithful to you? If he has come through for you in your darkest moments, then he will come through for you for the rest of your life. He never changes. That's why Paul put this little word called Thanksgiving in this verse. It's so that we can be thankful and that gratitude can be the antidote of anxiety. Okay, here's what happens in review. When you enter into his presence through prayer, praying with you, God, ugly prayers, praying with supplication, ugh, gross, praying with you, God, and praying with gratitude, he gives you the gift of peace. What ended up happening as I was thanking him for the ways that he's moved in my life is that I was just, like, overwhelmed with peace. I was like, oh, the God of the universe, verse 5 type of God, like, the Lord is at hand. He's near me. He's invited me into his presence. And he cares about me. He's so gracious. He's like, talk to me. So I pray. I'm like, yes, Jesus, I need it. And then he's like, I've got you. And all three of those things, the grandness, the majesty of God, the nearness of God, his wanting to talk to you, his communication with you, and the ways that he's come through for you, all three of those things. You know what that builds in a soul? Deep soul level peace. Here's what verse 7 says will happen to you if you experience those things. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want a peace like that? There's some of you in this room where you're like, man, I just got to get, get a new setting, man. I got to do more. I got to go to a different school. I got to do a different major. I got to play more in my sport. Do you want a peace like that? A peace that cannot be taken from you. The only way. To the peace of God is through the presence of God. Okay. Here's how I want to end our time together tonight. Normally, oh, I got to call the worship man back up. (laughs) Sorry. Worship man, please. Thank you. Okay. Here's, (laughs) that was a bit of a mess. Anyways, here's how I want to end our time together tonight. Normally, I pray. You know, I pray us out, and I give us a time, you know, and then the worship does, whatever. Tonight, I actually want to give you a time to encounter Jesus. Through prayer. Here's the reality. There'll be moments in your life when the self-help stuff, the Christianese cliches that people tell you and slap onto suffering, like, you'll be fine. He does that all for your good. It's like, okay. That stuff just won't work. You'll hit seasons of such deep doubt where you're like, I don't even think I'm a Christian. You'll hit seasons of such deep depression and anxiety where you're like, I can't even imagine putting my mind on the things of Christ. You'll be 45 years old one day with three kids, and you haven't been to church in six years, and you're like, I'm not even a Christian. You're going to have all those moments in your life, very likely. You might get diagnosed with cancer. Your spouse might die early. Your kids might be born with disabilities. I don't know what will happen to you, but I know for a fact that one day you'll be in a setting much like Paul. Maybe not a physical prison, but a metaphorical one where you're suffering and you're questioning God. And here's what I want to tell you it's a it's the advice that Jeff Dodge, one of our pastors, told Drew when he was suffering. That no one will understand you except Jesus. Here's why. Jesus has actually experienced suffering, radical suffering. He understands. But the only way that you're gonna believe that in that moment is not by a Christian verse, a hype sermon, a cool Instagram bio. The only way you're gonna believe that he understands is if you talk to him, if you pray. So, in this next moment, I'm just gonna invite you guys all to pray. And I know for some of you guys, it's gonna be uncomfortable. You can lift out your hands if you want, you don't have to, whatever makes you most comfortable. But I wanna invite you to actually encounter God in the presence of God. And as you pray, Here's what I want to invite you to pray. Start praying to him what you got. Like all your stuff, all your junk. Like, Jesus, I am so sorry that I I watched porn last night. Like I'm still addicted, man, and I honestly don't know how to get out. All your stuff, Jesus, I still have wounding from the ways that my boyfriend hurt me last year. All your stuff, bring it to Jesus. Tell him all of your crap. No pretty prayers. Ugly prayers only. That's what we're going to do. Pray to Jesus. And then as you pray... Also pray to him your fears. Like, Jesus, I, I'm worried my life won't mean anything. I'm worried that I'll just be a speck of dust in the ground and I'll never know if my life was worth it. I'm worried that I won't get a job after college. I'm worried that I won't meet the perfect person. Whatever it is, whatever your anxieties are, whatever your fears are, pray those to Jesus too. And then just ask him, Spirit, would you help me to remember the ways that you've come through for me? The ways that when I was down, you lifted me up. When I was in a pit, you were faithful to pick me up. Would you help me remember all of those moments? Pray to Jesus. And if you're here and you know someone in your life that you've come here with or that you love that really needs prayer right now, get up, go pray over them, lay hands on them, say, Jesus is with you. Be a physical representation of the Spirit of God to them. Pray for them. And let's spend this next couple moments praying to Jesus and asking him for the presence of God where peace can be found.